0: Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Encyclopedia Womanica. For those of you tuning in for the first time, welcome. Here's the deal. Every weekday, we're highlighting the stories of women you may not know about, but definitely should. We're talking about women from around the world and throughout history. Each month is themed. This month is all about journalists. Our first journalist was a firebrand in the desegregation of the American education system. Her strong-willed nature facilitated her turning early childhood trauma into motivation for driving social change. She recognized the role of the press and exploited its power in her life's work. On this first day of Black History Month, let's salute Daisy Bates. Daisy Bates was born on November 11, 1914, in the sawmill town of Huddig, Arkansas, to Hezekiah Gatson and Millie Riley. Daisy faced immense tragedy when she was three years old. Her mother was sexually assaulted and murdered by three white men. Daisy's father then abandoned Daisy. She would never see him again. Friends of the family, Orly and Susie Smith, took Daisy in. Daisy quickly took to Orly, and the two developed a special bond. It wasn't until Daisy was eight years old that she discovered the truth about her mother's murder. This was a pivotal moment in Daisy's life, as it led her to develop a deep-rooted disdain for white people and racial discrimination. For Daisy, the reality of being Black in America set in very quickly and very early. The result of Daisy's discovery about her mother was a withdrawal from her friendships with her white friends, and a determination to bring her mother's murderers to justice. It's rumored that Daisy came across one of the men responsible for her mother's murder and continuously and purposefully put herself in his path, daring him to face her and feel his guilt. In the end, none of the men responsible were convicted. Still. Daisy's fight for justice continued. When Daisy was 15 years old, she met Elsie Bates, the man she would eventually marry. At the time, he was a 27 year old insurance salesman who had a background in journalism. They started dating when Daisy was 17 and Elsie was in the process of divorcing his first wife. Their romance blossomed, as did a joint business venture. In 1941, Empowered by Elsie's journalism expertise and Daisy's knowledge from her business administration and public relations classes, the couple launched their own newspaper, the Arkansas State Press. Daisy and Elsie married in March of 1942 and created a home base in Little Rock. Daisy established herself in Little Rock as the editor of the Arkansas State Press and a prominent member of the Arkansas chapter of the NAACP. Daisy and Elsie were not afraid to push the envelope with their coverage. One of the purposes of the newspaper was to directly address race relations in all areas of American life. This unsettled and infuriated the local white community. They boycotted the publication, and Daisy and Elsie became the targets of hate crimes at the hands of the KKK and other perpetrators of hate and racism. They had crosses burned on their yard, and at one point, a rock inscribed with the message, stone this time, dynamite next, was thrown into their home. But the duo would not be deterred. They continued to use their newspaper as a vehicle for change, and at the age of 38, Daisy was elected president of the Arkansas State Conference of the NAACP. During that time, the association was focusing its efforts and resources on desegregating schools. After the renowned 1954 Brown v. Board of Education case, in which the Supreme Court ruled segregated schools unconstitutional, Daisy devoted her time to ensuring that black students were able to attend white schools and receive the same quality of education. She wielded the power of her statewide distributed newspaper to put pressure on schools to uphold the mandate. With her fellow board members— Daisy spearheaded the plan to integrate Little Rock Central High School. They handpicked nine black students out of many volunteers to enroll. Daisy took it upon herself to not only educate the students on the importance of this action and the hardship and danger they would encounter, but also to ensure their safety. Orville Faubus, Arkansas's governor at the time, deployed members of the Arkansas National Guard as a measure to block the black students' access. But on September 25, 1957, the nine students, known as the Little Rock Nine, were escorted by federal troops sent by President Eisenhower into the school through a crowd of angry and aggressive protesters. Because of Daisy's thoughtful and determined actions, these students were able to enter the doors of Central High School. Some question the prominence of her position in this historic moment, but most support her significant leadership. One of the Little Rock Nine students described Daisy as the poster child of black resistance. In 1957, Daisy's commitment to the civil rights movement earned Daisy the Woman of the Year Award by the National Council of Negro Women. A year later, Daisy and the Little Rock Nine received the NAACP's Spring Arn Medal for Outstanding Achievement. Daisy reflected on her life and her role as a civil rights crusader and published an autobiography in 1962 titled, The Long Shadow of Little Rock, a Memoir. The book won a National Book Award in 1988 after its reprint. At the 1963 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, Daisy was the only woman to give a speech on the national stage. The speech, entitled Tribute to Negro Women Fighters for Freedom, was inspirational for highlighting the significance of women activists in the civil rights movement. During an era when the majority of civil rights leaders were black men, Daisy distinguished herself as a formidable force. With this momentum, Daisy and Elsie moved to Washington, D.C., where she worked on refining and implementing anti-poverty programs under the Lyndon B. Johnson administration. But the two moved back to Arkansas after Daisy suffered a stroke. From 1966 to 1974, Daisy regained her strength and worked as a community organizer for the Mitchellville OEO Self-Help Project. In 1980, Elsie died and Daisy honored her late husband by reviving the Arkansas State Press from 1984 to 1987. It had previously been forced to shut down in 1959 due to advertising boycotts. Daisy's final public act of strength was carrying the Olympic torch in the 1996 Atlanta Olympics. In 1999, following a series of strokes, she died at the age of 84. That same year, She was posthumously awarded the Congressional Gold Medal, along with the members of the Little Rock Nine. Daisy was the first Black woman to lie in the Arkansas State Capitol building. And the state of Arkansas honors her legacy by proclaiming the third Monday in February, Daisy Bates Day. All month, we're talking about journalists. For more on why we're doing what we're doing, check out our newsletter, Womanica Weekly. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Encyclopedia Womanica. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Talk to you tomorrow.